Hey MPNers, Ryan McCarran here. Just wanted to give you a quick preface before you listen to this episode. As we know, the NFL is a 365-day-a-year enterprise, and in trying to be slick and get this recorded a couple of weeks before the season, there are a few things that we didn't actually get to cover. Um, for instance, we didn't cover the Colin Kaepernick protest situation when talking about the 49ers. Don't worry, it's not that we didn't want to talk about it, it's just that it hadn't happened yet when we had recorded. Um, also, when listening to the NFC North section, um, the Teddy Bridgewater injury and subsequent Sam Bradford trade had not occurred yet, uh, as well as learning Pernomic Fee would start this season on the PUP list for the Bears. And lastly, when you get to the NFC East, the Tony Romo injury we alluded to very briefly because it had just happened the night we recorded, but we didn't know the full extent of it as well as if Dak Prescott would take over and everything like that. That may affect the over-under anyway, but we just went with the lines we had when we had them. So, enjoy this episode. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to record an AFC over-under, so I will go ahead and post those within the body of the Facebook page when we go ahead and post this. So, enjoy that, and enjoy your NFL season, and enjoy this episode. This is MPN. Welcome to MPN! We haven't had an episode in a very long time, and I am super happy to A, be back, and B, to have this guest on yet again. A lot of episodes done with this fine gentleman here with us. Now he's not local, he's not uh, live, he is coming to you from where? From Boise, Idaho? Is that where you're coming from? Yeah, I'm in Boise, Idaho right now, just got here uh Two days ago, after a 12-hour drive from Denver, Colorado. So. Wow. Where you saw I, I, your Denver Broncos live and in person, right? Yes, yeah. I got to see the preseason game against the 49ers. Got to scope all uh, three quarterbacks out. Uh, Mark Semien, Mark Sanchez, and or Trevor Semien. Trevor Mark Semien, Sanchez. Yeah. They're the same person. I just combined yeah. them because they might as well be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Trevor Semien, Mark Sanchez, and Paxton Lynch. Gosh. All right. Well, I have to tell you. Go ahead. Am I excited about the quarterback competition in Denver? I am not. <laughs> well, the voice that you hear so uh, self-deprecating about his Super Bowl champion winning team is Jimmy Bowman. Jimmy, welcome back to MPN. Thank you so much for joining us again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think uh, this is the first time we're actually talking football, though. Every other time it's been baseball, right? It is, yeah. And, I mean, and that is, uh, that's been our forte, but it's now time to start thinking about these sorts of things. We've been doing a lot of stuff about fantasy, um, talking a lot about the different teams. And uh, this is going to be not so much fantasy talk, but we're going to try to get into a little bit of uh, gambling talk. We did this uh, with you and Matt for that baseball show on MPN. Uh, talking about the over-unders for the uh, baseball season. We're going to do the same thing now for football. Um, we're going to go division by division, starting with the NFC. Uh, we're going to get their – we have their win totals for each team from uh, Bovada. And uh, we're going to give you an over and an under and you know, give you some reasons why we think uh, that could be a good bet and or why it couldn't be. And so I hope – that uh, we have some agreements, and I also hope we have some disagreements so that we can, uh, you know, fight on the beaches. I don't know what, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yes, fight on the, on the fight. beaches. <laughs> fight, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll fight in every outhouse, doghouse, storehouse, beach house. I like to make it very political, and I like to just drop in the Churchill quotes every now and again, 
you know, fight them on the beaches. And that's the line, right? From World War II, that's the line. I don't yeah, know. No, that, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a okay. line. All right, you, good. Thank you for confirming that I'm not an idiot. Uh, I tried to look into the. Th- there's going to be some schedule talk. Um, going to get to into uh, you know maybe some player movement and um, you know kind of why we think uh, these teams will go over uh, or under. So. I think, you know, I've done a little bit of work. I think you can probably safely, maybe not, you know, you can take the information I've given you with a grain of salt, take it or leave it, but I like to think I have some pretty sound reasoning in here. So um, so without any further ado, let's get started with the uh, NFC West, one of the uh, best, like, top-heaviest divisions last season. And um, we're going to go uh, in order of finish last year. So we're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals, who were 13-3 and last year. They won the division and were promptly stomped by Carolina in the NFC Championship game, um, thanks mostly in part to Carson Palmer. Their over-under total is 9.5. I have them going over. Um, I don't think it'll be as good as 13-3. and I think Carson Palmer staying healthy and that offensive line staying intact is going to be kind of key, but... Even if he does, I sort of felt like last year maybe is sort of the best version of this team. I don't know if they can really get to those heights again. Like I don't see like thirteen wins in the in the future, but ten and six, eleven and five, kind of sounds good to them. Like, what's your take on Arizona? I mean, I, yeah, record wise, that's probably the best they can do because you know they'll always play the Seahawks twice a year. They have a relatively tough division where games can be fluky as long as they're not playing the Forty ers which is no no issue whatsoever. Um, but in terms of talent, I don't think they peaked yet because it took them forever to realize how good David Johnson was. <laughs> like, right. They kept playing Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington well ahead of him until the final three games when they're, you know, final three or four games when they're forced to play David Johnson. And turns out he was a crazy good talent. Now he's finally the man. And then they come back with Michael Floyd, who picked it up in the second half of last year, John Brown and Larry Fitzgerald, who were great most of last year. Like, it's pretty well contingent on. If Carson Palmer is healthy, I think it's eleven or more wins pretty easily. Mm-hmm. If Carson Palmer gets hurt, then who's their court, who's their backup now? Um, I don't know. I'll have to look. I mean, if it's any combination of like John Skelton or Ryan Lindley, that's the only thing I only know those guys as the quarterback for like the the other quarterbacks for right, them. Right? Yeah. It feel, like feels like it'll always be Ryan Lindley behind Carson. That's Palmer it. Just because. Yeah, and not get a good backup quarterback, and it sank the team two years ago, if you recall. Yes, I mean, and last year it was great because they won. They did win in Seattle. I mean, it was before that Seattle really kind of turned it on because Seattle stomped them at uh, on the road uh, late in the season. You know, I mean, if that continues, they'll probably go four and two in the division. They split with the Rams last year. Kind of seems like that could happen. There's some weird wonky things going on defensive line uh, with the Rams. But I mean, if you know, if they go, if they go four and two, they can sweep out, uh, you know, squeeze out a sweep of the Rams. They can go five and one in the division, and they'll really just have to win the next five of eight to go over, and they get the AFC uh, East and the NFC South. So I think it's a pretty good, pretty comfortable over. I think they could probably be one of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they were a pretty trendy Super Bowl pick for most people. So the number two team in the uh, West last year was the Seattle Seahawks. They have they're tied for the highest over under total uh, with ten and a half. They of course were the wild card for the NFC, uh, lost to Carolina in the divisional round. Um, I'm actually going to go over with ten and a half with them too, and it's really just a vote of confidence of Russell Wilson 
I mean, he's one of the best five quarterbacks in the league. They really found their offensive stride with guys, you know, like Doug Baldwin kind of came out of nowhere and had put up a really randomly great season. Uh, Thomas Rawls. Um, and so that defense, you, you know, it's going to be there. The defense is good. Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, two of the five best DBs. Um, I mean, they were, they were still the number one team for football outsiders DVOA last year by a comfortable margin. And so I don't know. I, I, I think these are probably two of the three or four best teams in the NFC. And it's unfortunate that they have to play each other twice and sort of, you know, beat each other up, I think, but I still think they could go over. over. Usually when I'm going through teams and trying to choose over or under, I'm trying to go like my process is because Vegas is always really, really perfect at like setting the, like the right line to make you frustrated about you cannot figure out which way to go. Yes. And it becomes, you have to ask yourself how many things need to go right for them to go over. How many things need for need to go wrong for them to go over and are the wrong things unusual or are the right things unusual? Um, for things that can go right, it wouldn't be unusual for Russell Wilson to continue his play to even get a little bit better because he steadily improved his uh, his average yards per attempt every or yeah per every year mm-hmm. the AY-N, which is a pretty good indication of a quarterback's talent. Um, that's one of the strongest correlations of how well a quarterback is doing when they're AYA the AYA yeah AYA singer um, when that increases a high number is usually a pretty solid quarterback. His has increased every year. Um, the running game is not going to be a solid without Marshall Lynch, but they didn't need it as badly last year because Russell Wilson was tearing it up. Uh, Doug Baldwin's going to have some touchdown regression because I hope to God he has some touchdown regression. You think? Didn't yeah, he catch a, cut, well, didn't catch a touchdown like one? Pace? Yeah, like, like one every five passes he caught was a touchdown or something. It's crazy. Yeah, there, there was that. It was that, like the second half of the season. Him and Ted Ginn Jr. were just like catching long passes twice a game for touchdowns, and it was just the dumbest thing. Uh, yeah, and you know, Baldwin, he had a breakout. He, he's not going to score as many touchdowns, but he, he's good. He proved he can be kind of like a poor man Steve Smith out there. Uh, Lockett, Tyler Lockett's great. Jermaine Curse is a solid number three. Like the offense has got talent, and if the defense just remains the same, that's a lot of things that are easily expected to go right. Which is you funny. I mean? Yeah, it's funny because they they do have probably the one of the worst offensive lines in the league. <laughs> I mean, you remember yeah. last year, I mean, Russell was just getting blown up in the backfield and they weren't kind of getting anything running. I mean, he had to just do a lot to make plays. And I don't know if that was a scheme change offensively where they just were like, all right, we know these guys are terrible. So let's sort of just try to roll out Russell Wilson every single play or just get him to, you know, he just kind of does his magic and just, you know, is, is just able to still be a, a, a pretty amazing. Okay. I mean, the, the the last thing on the Seahawks I'll say is basically to get for them to get to eleven. I mean, they're going to probably go eight and zero or seven and one at home. I mean, that's just sort of been a given the last three, four, five years that they're just dominant at home. Oh yeah. So in order for them to hit the over, they basically need to beat the Niners, the Bucks, and the Rams on the road, and they can either get to ten or eleven wins. I'm pretty sure that's pretty doable. <laughs> Speaking of the Rams. Uh, they were third in the West, seven and nine. The Jeff Fisher special. Uh, their win total is seven and a half. And I actually texted you about this when I was looking at these different numbers, looking at these lines, and looking at the the teams. I think the Rams are a little bit. Uh, I think they're a little frisky this year. I think they can be a little good. I still think they're going to go under, but I reserve the right to say I told you so if they finish eight and eight, <laughs> if they finish eight <laughs> or if they finish, if they somehow luck into nine and seven, um, I, you know, but I, I, 
I still am going to go under with them. I think you you talked me into it, or you maybe talked me out of the insanity that was trying to talk myself into saying they're going to finish eight and eight. Um, I don't know. What say you? I, I mean, I how how do they get to eight and eight? I think the only reason you suspect eight and eight is even doable is because Jeff Fisher just his gravestone will read eight and eight. Yes. August like will, August 8th, the football community on Twitter celebrated Jeff Fisher Day because it was 8-8. Like that. Did they really? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, it'll be 8-8. Eight eight. His grandson will say 8-8. Eight eight. He came out of life even. <laughs> hey, I mean, not a bad place to be. I mean, the guy's obviously, he's doing something to, for him to keep getting a contract extension now with this team. But I, I, I don't know. He's, he's the, um, he's got, he's worm tongue. I guess, and he keeps whispering evil nothings into the ear of the ra- of Stan Cranky. He must and so have Stan Cranky just keep like I can't explain it. I don't know how because they're they're the they're the there was a time where you're like, well, he made a Super Bowl with the Titans. That time was oh, over fifteen over years fifteen ago. years ago. Yeah, and right? that was with a very young like Steve McNair, and and there was a lot of. A lot of young talent. It, I don't know if it was. I mean, maybe it was. And even then, it took, it took the Music City Miracle to get into the Super Bowl. Was that that same year? I guess it probably was, wasn't it? Yeah. So That's I mean, amazing. You know, so many quarter, so many coaches get fired for mediocre seasons. How can you literally be the epitome of mediocrity and just keep your job and get an extension? It's so mind-boggling. And I think it's he's got the thing where his teams always look like they have potential. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. always look like they're going to be great next year, but they yeah. never are. <laughs> And maybe that's what this is again, because you can sort of see a scenario where, you know, Case Keenum or Jared Goff comes in and they get a little, you know, they they make a couple plays happen because their games are going to be won and lost with the defensive line, which is probably top to bottom the best in the league. And Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley staying healthy because he's a transcendent talent. And if they can make like a couple of plays on offense, their defense will kind of keep a minute, I think. At least that pass rush will. You know, I mean, they, they do. They're, they're not. They don't have like a lot of talent. Maybe it's a hard knocks thing. Maybe it's like you see the team on hard knocks every year, and you're like, man, like, you know, they're really working hard, or they're doing this. And it, I, I, I'm wondering if there is an actual bump. I've heard, you know, that the guys maybe work a little bit harder because they know they're going to be on TV, and so that maybe carries into the season a little bit. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but. I mean, their franchise quarterback doesn't know which side of the world the sun rises on. So, and he looks like he has the body of like a 15 year old. I don't understand how he has any, mu- he doesn't look like he has any muscle on his body whatsoever. He's just he all. Went, sh- he, went, he went to Berkeley and he doesn't know where the sun comes from. Yes, he didn't know. Didn't you see that the first episode? There was a, oh, it was ridiculous. Oh, God. So, okay, I need, to, I need to clarify something. When you said earlier the the uh, impersonalized address of you, and you said it's easy, you can easily imagine Goff. Or uh, Case Keenum leading them. I, I need to clarify. Yeah. You can. I can. You can. It's the I royal cannot. you. It's the royal you. And I, I, I'm rejecting the royal you there. You can, as in you, Ryan McCarron. I, I can absolutely mm-hmm. not imagine that happening with any sort of consistency. Okay, here's the thing. Jeff Fisher, yes, he's the 8-8 and coach. He's never actually been 8-8 and with the Rams. That Maybe this is the year. If he's 8-8, and if it's, if it's in the <laughs> Jeff Fisher zone... 
No, you know what? I'm changing it. I'm changing it to over because I think they can. I think they can probably finish eight and eight. Just because I think we need to disagree on this. I think the Rams. Ha- I think the Rams have some. I think the Rams have some players. I think Tavon's pretty good. They can probably figure out what they want to do with him, and they like Gurley. This was the one I struggled with the most, at least in this division. Uh, they also have the NFL's fifth toughest schedule this year. Uh, yeah, this year they have the fifth toughest schedule. And granted, things change once the season starts. Yeah. But that's a way of saying they play in a tough division where, I, you know, somehow they're always frisky against the Seahawks, but it's not something you can take to the bank. Well, yeah, but they, um, but yeah, they play the they play the Seahawks tough. They play the uh, they play the Cardinals tough. I mean, if they went three and three in the division, you know, I mean, they have a tough stretch. They could play like home for Carolina at the Jets, home for Miami at New Orleans, at New England, like in nine nine through thirteen. You know they go three, they go two and three in those games, maybe three and two, with the defense just kind of dominating. I just saying, I think there's a there's a path to at least more mediocrity with Jeff Fisher. I don't know why we're arguing about Jeff Fisher not being mediocre. Oh, he's absolutely. I'm just, I'm just. I guess it's a matter of degrees. Like you're okay. saying, he's mediocre. I'm saying, no, no, he's less than mediocre right oh, now. They're energized playing in Los Angeles. You know, the fans are hungry, thirsty. There's gonna be, you know, a lot of home crowd fans. I don't know. Just getting fights in the stands. Yeah, I may just have to. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I like. I think they have some good players. So I'm gonna stick with my. I'm gonna stick with my change. I'm gonna stick with over and say that they go eight and eight. We have to. We have to talk about the 49ers. Um, uh, so I wanted to pose this question to my friend Kyle, who is the biggest Niner fan I know, and I, I would probably say is a kind of a Niner homer. Um, yes. he, <laughs> he, uh, I said, you know, I told him, Hey, the win total, they're five and a half. The win total is five and a half. They went five and 11 last year. I'm first of all going to say under, what are you going to say? I hate that line. Five and a half is so tough, Yeah, but I, I think under makes sense. Cause you can see them being five and 11. So what I asked him was, I said for the Niners to win six or more games, what needs to happen? Cause that's kind of another question you need to ask. Like, what needs to go, like you said, sort of like what needs to go right for this team to win like six games, basically. Uh, I only wanted it to really be a paragraph because I told him I'd read it on the air. And, uh, you know, him being <laughs> him like, you know, he, he works in academia. He's got a Ph.D. He's a professor now. He works. He does a lot of research, writes a lot of papers that get picked up by these publications, everything like that. So it's a little bit longer than I would care to read. Sorry, Kyle, but I will, I will basically paraphrase that he thinks basically the offensive line has to be much better. Anthony Davis, he sees it being there being a good chance because Anthony Davis is back. There's three first rounders on the O line, former pro bowler. Um, Basically he says if the line, even just average Carlos Hyde can have a monster year and Blaine Gabbert can do 75% of what Alex Smith does and they can win six games. Um, the D line has to create a pass rush. Obviously they had a tough time with that last year. Um, but, uh, and that somebody has to catch a ball. Um, they really, they don't, they mean, you know, and, and, and I think this is kind of where chip really comes in because he can do a lot with seemingly mediocre talent on the outside. I'm not saying that Torrey Smith is mediocre, but that, he could have a pretty good season. Like Jordan Matthews had a top 20 fantasy season last year with Chip Kelly. And um, so, I mean, it's not, it's not entirely possible. It's not entirely impossible to see Torrey Smith having a decent year. You know, you can, uh, if you get high level play from your O and D lines, 
you can be competitive in every game. He thinks they can get some breaks. Maybe they can get to six or seven wins. He says the ceiling is eight to nine wins, but if the lines suck, they'll be lucky to win four games. So, <laughs> so now you have a broad stroke from the biggest Niner fan I know. Um, I like his optimism, and I would be optimistic if I liked a team as much as he likes the Niners. Uh, I think maybe a, maybe one or two of those things could maybe happen. I don't think all three of those points are going to be happening, though. Yeah. I mean, what's the deal with Colin Kaepernick, by the way? How come he's not good anymore? I liked it when he was good. He was fun to watch. He made the Niners appointment television because he was so interesting and he was so much fun. And when Chip came to the Niners, I thought, this is it. This is He's finally going to get a quarterback like he had at Oregon, and it's going to take off, and they're going to score so many points. And now he's just like persona non grata in that locker room. I don't get it. Well, the big thing is he was injured. So he, he's starting to throw again. And the big thing is you have to actually imagine that, at least on talent level, and in terms of what Chip Kelly wants, it's going to be Colin Kaepernick is going to be the quarterback anyway. Uh, turns out, apparently, the ownership is, is really pushing for Chip to start playing no matter what. Well... Because they're the worst. I don't. Yeah, they were terrible. Uh, but I, you have to almost imagine Chip wants it to be Kaepernick. And even if Kaepernick's offering, you know, at seventy-five percent of what his potential is, that's still a better quarterback to run that offense than Blaine Gabbert. Um, Torrey Smith is probably going to slot into the uh, the Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson role. You know, the the wide out, and then Bruce Ellington is going to be the Jordan Matthews. So a lot of people are high on him this year. Uh, so there, there's you can't imagine the offense doing some fun stuff. Uh, problem is the defense is still pretty decimated, even having Navarro Bowman back finally. Uh, and their schedule is the first hardest, like the number one hardest schedule in the league. Like I'm just looking over it right now. They open up with Rams, Panthers, Seahawks, uh, Cardinals, Cowboys, Bills, Buccaneers. Like that's an easy probably five losses right there to open up the season. Yeah, I can't find two games in a row that they might win. Like, I can maybe pick out one or the other, but I have a hard time being like, oh, they're going to be on a two- or three-game winning streak at this particular time. Yeah, it's it's there are full-on... There are certain organizations that settle into the dysfunctional organization thing, and they're just going to comfortably be bad for a while. And that's what the Niners are. When they forced out Harbaugh, the way they did it, they were they, that was in ownership saying, I don't want to be good. I want the I, I just want the team to be mine. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, they, they don't care about football; they care about making the decisions. Yeah, and, and making money and trying to make money. And they are and they make money hand over fist with that stadium, even though it's kind of a disaster. I've heard. I haven't actually been there, but um, but yeah, going back to the schedule, I don't. I mean, how, how does that happen? They were a last place team last year. Uh, which we should pour one out for Jim Tom Sula, by the way. The fo- football is going to be a lot less fun. Like the Deadspin articles are going to be much less interesting now that he's not making faces on the sidelines. But like home for the Rams. Is there, is there a quarter, is there, sorry, is there a coach you would have like in my brain? Every time you cut back to Jim Tom Sula, he was always eating like cold beans out of a can. Like I just imagine that's what he should be doing on the sideline all the time if they cut to him. He, I think he's, he's, yeah. Every, every time they cut to him, he should be eating something completely different. Like. <laughs> Like you're like, did you did you finish that and get another one, or did you just set it down and you have all this other food? Like, what is the deal? Like, don't you have time to eat? Plucking the feathers off of the chicken. That by the end of it, he's roasting the chicken on a spit. <laughs> yeah, like this is much more interesting than what's going on on the field. Um, all right, so we have to move on to the NFC North. 
uh, if you want to uh, pull them up on your uh, bingo card. Um, yes, indeed. And... So they're going to get the uh, they get the AFC South and the NFC East this year. A couple, you know, the teams get some uh, wild card games in there. Um, but the Minnesota Vikings won this division last year, eleven and five. They lost to the Seahawks. Um, their win total is nine and a half, and I think they're going to go over again. I think they're a decent bet, maybe not to win the division again because I think Aaron Rodgers is still a thing that exists. Um, mm-hmm. they went four and two in close games, like games decided by a touchdown. I can't think of a time when I thought the Vikings were one of the most dominant teams in the league though. I was like, Oh yeah, wait, what? <laughs> and they, I mean, they, they went two and four against good teams, like teams that were in the playoffs. And so were they good or did they just have a decent schedule? Um, I don't mean, I don't, I mean, their, their yeah, is legit, but the schedule also is not so legit. No, they have. They do have some tough games. They play at Carolina, home for Arizona, uh, at Indy Week 15, depending on how you feel about Indy. Um, they, I, I, I kind of said over because, again, this is a top-heavy division. I think they'll probably walk over the bottom teams, especially the uh, the Lions. Um, you know, it, it, again, you're voting that Adrian Peterson will just stiff arm father time and just keep going and just keep being as good and as transcendent as he is as old as he is is what 31 32 so so yeah i mean what say you about minnesota i am gonna go with the under oh here's why because going back to the whole what has to go right what has to go wrong kind of idea behind it is the what has to go right is they have to win games the same way they did last year which relies on you know, Bridgewater managing the game, Adrian Peterson getting a lot of carries and just kind of sucking the time up, and then the defense being, you know, great. And the defense was pretty great, but you have to also remember they were great against a depleted Green Bay that still made the playoffs anyway, and uh, against, like, another kind of, as we said, pretty easy schedule. But for them to continue to win games that way, they need a lot of sustainability. That's hard to do. I think, for example, Teddy Bridgewater is who he is at this point, and he's not going to be the guy who's going to win you games. He's going to be the guy who doesn't lose you games, hopefully. But when it comes time for him to win the games, I who, same thing, aging aging Peterson. Huh. Uh, that should yep. be his nickname, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Stefan Diggs and Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell yeah. who, yes, I mean, the past couple of years there's been lots of great rookie wide receivers, but you really can't bank on rookie wide receivers clicking right away. You still want to bet that it takes them a little while to get into the groove. Um, and then that's it. Kyle Rudolph's no good. Uh, he's always seemed like he could be good, but it really isn't. Yeah. And then you're just hoping to win defensive games a lot. And really the problem is defensive wins are just not sustainable. Even the Seahawks who has all world defense needed the offense to carry them sometimes. And the offense has had to carry a bigger load the past couple of years. Yeah, I just don't I, see this offense doing it. I mean, they were 29th in th- out of 32 in total offense last year. That's not great. This is really, yeah, I mean, you're right that they just kind of want to lean on the defense. Um, it may not be sustainable. But my p- counter to that even is that they play two of probably the biggest clusterfuck divisions in the NFL. They play the AFC South and the NFC East, uh, which have some really weird things going on with them. So... Uh, they may just ground and pound their way to 10 and six. I mean, Bridgewater could possibly get better. They do have a nice stable of receivers. They're all young. 
Um, I think Treadwell will probably get some time. He's behind, he's behind Charles Johnson on the depth chart right now, which is uh, not, not great. <laughs> but um, it kind of seems like they don't really have a major deep threat. But, you know, they can get it done with short passing and, and Diggs kind of doing some things. It's funny you mentioned that. You talked about the way Minnesota won games last year, which is exactly how the Rams are going to win games this year. So that's it. That's what I'll say for it. Um, we have to move on, though. We have to go to the Green Bay Packers, who were 10-6. and six. Uh, They were the first wild card, beat Washington, lost to Arizona in that epic playoff game. Their total is actually higher than the Vikings, and I'm going over the, t- I'm going over the 10 and a half. Again, it's so funny. The, the, these top two teams in these both of these divisions we've done, I feel like, are going to be like four of the five best teams in the NFC. I should feel good about this. I just don't like. I just I, I have a hard time betting on uh, Jordan Rogers's brother to um, not beat the <laughs> NFC or NFC South. Is is George, okay? If you were to rank the amount of fame between, if you were to pick an average person and ask him between Jordan or Aaron, which one would they be able to recognize first after the Bachelorette? Oh, that would be tough because I think that you're bringing in a lot of women who maybe don't watch the maybe don't watch the NFL. Yeah. But then, but then again, you have those same women who have seen Aaron Rodgers in a bunch of football commercials that their husbands and boyfriends and maybe girlfriends uh, have forced them to watch. So they see him; con- they see Aaron Rodgers constantly, constantly. And maybe he's kind of handsome. Maybe they kind of ask, "Oh, who's that guy?" And so it might be a tie. I think it's it's closer than if you would have asked me six months ago. But I still think Aaron maybe by like a hair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I think so too. It's just it's funny that you had to think about. It. Yeah. Oh no. It's it's, it's not it, a good sign. It's definitely in the conversation. That's for sure. They had a weird year last year, which is I think why you can kind of bank on them maybe being good again. Um, Jordy's awesome. They're getting him back. Jordy Nelson, David Bakhtiari was injured last year. They have a, a very very good line. They've had the same you know five or six guys on the offensive line forever. Um, and the one thing I think that having Jordy Nelson back does is it sort of slots everybody else down a peg and f- has them fit in a little better. Like Randall Cobb, obviously not a number one receiver. Devontae Adams, not a number two. Maybe not even a number three receiver. Yeah, as you say, you're being very generous with uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean, they finished 25th in passing offense last year. That is unheard of. Um, and, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I guess I just I do still have some questions about the offense. I just don't think it's like, well, you plug Jordy Nelson, you get Jared Cook to play tight end, and all of a sudden it's back to the same exact you know thing that they were last year. And um, I don't know. I mean, their 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 defense is really kind of unchanged. They didn't do much. They don't do much in they free agency. Do anything in free agency? Even picking up Jared Cook is like a weird, like stir crazy move for them. Yeah, they're like, ooh, this guy. I mean, Julius Peppers is probably one of the best free agent signings. This one of the only free agent signings, I guess, they've done the last ten years. I mean, Clay Matthews is good. He's better when he's rushing the passer. They may just want to. He's not very good in coverage. I don't know. I mean, I I, I just feel weird about it because I just I just don't think that like a guy like Jordy Nelson, as good as he is, is like well, we put him in here and all of a sudden everything's fine. I don't know. I mean, they they, they look unchanged from the 2014 team that went 12 and four. Uh, but we'll see if he's the magic elixir. But either way, I'm still going to take the over. 
because I'm probably going to be like, oh, after the first three games, the Packers are totally fine. Yeah, I'm taking the over two, and the reason is because if you kind of go through anecdotal memory of what you remember from the Packers last year, don't you remember them kind of sucking a lot? Yes. Right? No, they right? were horrible. Like, they, you, there were some games you, when it just seems like they couldn't score a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Like, like uh, there were several games where they looked nothing like the Packers, which you were familiar with. Like, the Broncos stopped on them, but the Broncos did that to a lot of good offenses last year. Uh, I can't remember. Help me out, Ryan. Uh, who was the team that beat them last year soundly that no one expected to beat them? I'll have to look up the schedule here. One second. Yeah, if you don't mind. Because there was one game where they just looked incompetent. It's like, oh, wait, something's wrong with the Packers. Well, they, I mean, they, they did lose to the the Lions for the first time at home in like yeah. 20 some odd years. Um, yep. But, uh, I mean, is there anything else really that. I mean, I, I mean, we kind of covered it. That's the thing. The team is just yeah, it's well, so, well, it's such the, point, the same. Though, so it, 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 you, memory serves. They seemed terrible, and yet they still finished ten and six. That's how much Aaron Rodgers brings to the team just by being the best quarterback in the league every single year. It, it was the same thing with like when Peyton Manning was at his peak. You could always slot them for ten or more wins because you existed. And so I think them having Jordy Nelson, them having a little bit more health, Eddie Lacy being maybe a little bit more motivated. Mm. Uh, is going to be enough because it, it always has been. Even when everything went horribly wrong, they still finished with 10 wins. I can see them doing one more win and getting 11 easily. Yeah, they I lost. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's, it. yeah, no, I, that's the thing. I don't feel great about it just because it seems like there's always that time when you're just sort of assuming things are going to happen. And Jordan, and <laughs> Jordan Rogers' brother, Aaron Rogers is. Younger than maybe, say, like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, where guys where you're like, well, of course they're just going to be good until they aren't, until they just aren't. And then it's like, well, you can't say that anymore. I guess I have more faith that Aaron can get it back. But again, it's kind of weird. Yeah, they lost. Um, they lost three in a row. I mean, they played at Denver, at Carolina, and then lost at home to Detroit. They lost to Chicago 17-13. They got stomped at Arizona 38 to eight and then lost at home for the division to Minnesota 20 to 13. So they had some kind of weird, I mean, that was a tough stretch coming out of their bye, like at Denver, at Carolina. So you probably expected them to probably lose those games, but I mean, yeah, they still made it to the playoffs. They still won a playoff game. So tough to think that with a little bit more luck, they maybe won't. Um, Who do you think is more recognizable? Aaron Rodgers or Richard Rodgers? Ooh, are we just talking again in general? Yes, in general, the backup tight end or the starting quarterback. Wait, are you not talking about uh, you're not talking about the guy who wrote Oklahoma with Hammerstein? You're not talking about that. Oh, Rogers? Not, not, no, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about Rogers and Hammerstein. Okay, all right. Uh, then probably Aaron, then probably Aaron Rodgers. I would say, yeah, I would oh, okay. say. Okay, yeah. okay. Just, we'll go yeah. with the more famous Rodgers down the line. We'll figure it out. Got it. Yeah. All right. So the third team is uh, the Lions. Finished seven to nine. Kind of forgot that they finished the year six and two. I was going through their schedule and going, all right, yeah, there's right? a bunch of losses in here, and they go, whoa, what happened? Um, their win total is seven and a half. Uh, I still went under on them. Uh, and it kind of sort of begins and ends with their offensive line. Really their offensive line was a shambles last year, which is why I think they made the change to, uh, to Cooter ball, Jim Bob Cooter, Ooh, Jim Bob Cooter, uh, Jim Bob Cooter. They ruined Megatron though. I mean, <laughs> this is not a franchise that's really like trending in the right direction. They had, a generational future hall of fame talent who was like yeah you know what 
ah, I don't think I'm going to look at the situation any very positively. I'm just going to just going to walk away. Um, so that was a shame. Yeah. How sad is it that they've had two generational talents do that to them? Like future Hall of Famers could break all the records that they wanted to and just actively said, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. Nah, I don't nah. want to play for you guys anymore. They, and they just maybe they just got unlucky with the number of injuries that they racked up. I don't really know. It doesn't make any sense. They're like, well, maybe they're more sensitive to the injuries than the other teams are. I'm other players are. I don't know. Um, I mean, they made some upgrades at offensive line they signed andre smith and jeff schwartz who were good in like 2012 2013 respectively but even that is probably an upgrade over what they had last year um and so they and and they invested heavily in the draft in their line so they know where this where it is i don't know i mean a rookie center or rookie tackle or guard comes in and it's all of a sudden it's the be all end all but they knew at least, at least they could. They knew the weakness and tried to upgrade it, and like didn't go for another wide receiver in the draft. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what do you have for what them? Happened, I, I'm going up the under two, but I do want to point out. I think it's kind of interesting that I, I didn't even notice this before. But overnight, the uh, Detroit Lions somehow turned into like the New Orleans Saints of the past five years. Just terrible, terrible defense, and then an offense that is going to do nothing but throw it the entire time. Because I think they led the league in passing attempts under Jim Bob Cooter, didn't they? Well, they yeah, they, they led that, and then they also... But, I mean, the, the throws didn't go more than, like, three yards past the line of scrimmage. Oh, and, and then with when, with Golden Tate as your number one, they're certainly not going further than that anymore. No. His average depth of target is like one of the lowest in the leagues with Golden Tate. Yeah. Although Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones could take the top off. Marvin Jones, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going under as well, just because seven and a half seems... It's seven and a half, right? Yeah. They'd have to seven, finish five hundred. No, well, the 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 the, the over under seven and a half. So they have to basically seven. Yeah, yeah. So if they if you take the over, yeah, they have it, to finish eight and eight. Which I don't know. Maybe next I'm not year. I can't do it. I no. can't. I can't. There's no reason to think they're going to win that many games. They're going to be fun to watch. I think. I think they'll actually be a pretty entertaining offense because they were like when Matt Stafford actually clicked last year under Cooter. But I just like saying Jim Bob Cooter a lot, and I think that yeah. might be the only issue. Well, and if they're if their biggest weakness is the offensive line playing Aaron Donald and JJ Watt this year is probably not the magic elixir you need to keep your quarterback alive and stop him from an early retirement. So, um, all right. So we're in agreement on the lions. Let's move on to the bears finish six and 10 fourth in the division. Their total is seven. And this was a, this was another one that I kind of struggled with, but I actually ended up taking the over I, again, you're talking about little frisky teams. I think the Bears, while they probably won't win the division, I think they might even threaten, you know, middle to late, middle to late in the season, maybe for a wild card. Um, what say you on the Bears? I'm going to go over. They got a pretty underrated defense. Their offense is going to be pretty bad. You think? Cutler's, <laughs> Cutler's going to Cutler. Uh, I, I don't trust Jeremy Langford at all to run the rock with any sort of consistency. Um, Alshon Jeffrey's gonna could potentially lead the league in targets, but it's all going to come down to their defense. Where you've got Danny Trevathan was picked up, Jarrell Freeman was picked up. That's some really solid linebackers. Uh, Pernell McPhee's really great. Leonard Floyd is a first round pick. Like and and they have Lamar Houston. I, I completely like I was looking through their team. Like they have Lamar Houston. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So they've got like they're going back to start winning games. The uh, the Bears way, 
which is like nothing but defense on uh, Soldier Field. And I, I think they can get out seven. I can think they can get seven and nine. I think so. I mean, they because also I looked at their schedule last year and they were absolutely the definition of like a coin flip team. You know, after their bye, they lost six games, but only one of them was over six points. So they only basically they kept every one of their losses within a touchdown after their bye. I mean, really, after week three, when Jimmy Clausen was murdered and pretty much left for dead in Seattle. Um, when, they, when they went the, uh, when they pitched the no hitter. Yeah. Well, yes. The, the football defense equivalent of a no hitter. Uh, and when a, a punting on every possession, it's so difficult to think that that can happen. You don't go for it, it once. It could, it could only happen with John Fox. Only John Fox would look at the scoreboard, think you're losing, realize it's fourth down, and go, eh, punt. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it in the defense's hands. But even, Okay, so even even after that, so they played that was week three. They played thirteen games after that. In eleven games, they played one score games. So I mean, the coin just kind of landed on the other side. You know, if that evens out, they could probably win eight or nine games, which is usually good enough. I mean, this is kind of a weird year because you have Arizona and Seattle. One of them is probably going to get the wild card. Cutler's probably going to be the reason why they don't, why they go, probably why it pushes and they go seven and nine. I mean, because he tends to like murder the coin while it's in the air or like it's just well, crazy if color were to flip the coin it would be intercepted so. right yeah so but they play a fourth place schedule i mean their extra games are against the niners the bucks i mean those are winnable games they don't play at seattle they don't play at kansas city or at denver i mean i have their toughest out of division game probably being at indy i mean their schedule's good their team is solid their defense especially you know you have that image you talk about the bears way like the image of like the cold breath coming from brian urlacher's mouth while they're talking about the bears digging in on this muddy terrible soldier field i don't think they'll win i don't think maybe they'll they may not challenge for a playoff spot but they can probably win seven or eight games right yeah i can i can see seven i can't see more than seven or not seven to nine but if seven and nine is what we need i can see it happening pretty quickly that'll get you your money back yeah i mean it's another kind of like a john fox type team where john fox teams are pretty predictably Jeff Fisher-esque in their execution of getting near 500. Like, he needs otherworldly talent to not do that, but overall, you always feel like a John Fox team is going to be winning games because of the grit and toughness, but also losing games because he can't manage a clock, and Jay Cutler's, he can't tell Jay Cutler to not color around a little bit. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of perfect, really, for each other. So, um, so let's... When I see Jay Cutler and John Fox, I just imagine Jay Cutler, like, I didn't mean to throw it that way, Dad. Yeah, he does kind of look like the, the sideline. He does. He could play like a gruff dad, either on a Life Goes On esque show or some sitcom like Boy Meets World or something like that, where it's like it's funny and he can be kind of silly and do some one liners, but it also like he can also pull off the serious stuff. And you're like, wow, John Fox, he can. He's got some range, I think. Yeah, if John, if John Fox came into my room and asked me to, like, have a seat, he'd sit at the edge of my bed and be like, oh, man, I'm getting the talk. Yeah. I know it. Hey, man, let me tell you how to run a clock when you're playing Madden. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Don't do that. Don't do it. I'd rather hear the birds and the bees, Mr. Fox, sir. Please, <laughs> not that. So next division, because we, we finished that one up. So we NFC South, the uh, NFC's recipient or uh, what were they the champions of the nfc they were the carolina panthers they finished 15 and one they lost the super bowl to the denver broncos broncos Holla. They, they lost the super bowl to von miller yeah really it really just just von miller and uh, 10 other dudes 
but their win total I have uh, ten and a half. Bovada's got them at. This is probably the fifth team in the five best NFC teams, but I'm going to say over. You know, it's more of a referendum on their terrible division and and decently easy schedule. I mean, they went five and one in the division last year, which I think is completely repeatable. They play the NFC West, including the Niners at home, and they play at the Rams, but winnable. It's a tough game, but it might be winnable. So right there you have seven wins, and you just need four others and a little mix and match here and there. I don't know. What do you think on Carolina? Do you think they have the gumption to win this division again? If it, if it was like 11.5, I'd be more hesitant, but it's 10.5. And, a half. and I, I have to go out the overture. I want to disagree with you, Ryan, but I can't. I know. I it's the problem. That's the problem. Because, once again, what, what has to happen? Like, the defense – won't take that big of a step back without Josh Nor- Josh Norman. I feel like Josh Norman strikes me as that cornerback who like peaks oddly at this one year and then can't really repeat it the next year. Cornerbacks have a history of doing that. I feel like they're like pitchers where unless they've been pretty good from the start, when a peak year happens, you want to be a little distrustful of it. Particularly because the peak year happens a little bit later in their career. Uh, the offense gets not only Kelvin Benjamin back, who is not going to be who I think is a little overrated, but they also get Devin Funches now. Yeah. So if suddenly Ted Ginn, who is the number one, is now the number three, he gets to play in the slot, you're still going to have the solid running game in the great O-line. You're still getting Mike Tolbert to, to be a... Tolbert. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to compare Mike Tolbert to. Just, this is important to me, Ryan. Okay, yeah. I know the you, things you, you think about when you're when you're thinking about football. I get it. You remember in Hook when... God, the, what? Um, the, I just work with me. You remember in Hook when the kid rolled himself up in the ball and then rolled down and knocked all the pirates off the platform i mean yes but i wh- why are you bringing up hook on my podcast I just, I this have, is this is the only, that's all every time i hear mike tolbert i just think of that kid mike tolbert is basically that kid with his legs cut off <laughs> he's just the round version of him on the football field it matters ryan i just needed to get that out okay there. well you got your mike tolbert uh <laughs> You've got your Mike Tolbert comp out. Um, and my hook comp, we're good. And we your hook comp, both. all right, fine. There'll be no more references to hook on this show at all, okay? Please. So all you, right. so you, you just, boo box if just, I just, one just cross it off. Yeah, that's grounds for hanging up on you, I think, and just finishing it myself. Um, three of the previous five teams that finished with 15 wins. So the, the Panthers were the sixth to finish with 15 wins or more. Um, they actually went under their Vegas totals the next season. So, like, the 2011 Packers went 15-1, and one, and the next year their over-under was 12, and they finished 11-5. and five. The 2007 Pats finished 16-0. and 0. Their over-under the next year was 12, and they went 11-5. The 98 Vikings also went under. They were also, their over-under was 12, and they finished 10-6. and six. So, Vegas kind of tries to deflate a little bit. I mean, obviously, they're not winning 15 games again. They probably think 11-5 is a very real possibility, which I can't disagree with. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it, though. Like, Carolina's at 10.5 over-under, and yet for all the other 15-1 teams, they put the over-under at 12. Like, yeah. this is a one-and-a-half game difference, which is crazy when yeah. you think about it. So you have to go over with them, I think. So finishing second in the division, another 8-8. Uh, eight eight, they were they are the Atlanta Falcons, and their win total is 75 and I actually took the under with them. I think they're going to finish very poorly. Uh, I, lo- I love, yeah. I love the uh, Vegas shrug is what I'm going to call this. The fact that the Panthers are ten and a half, and then all the other teams are either seven or seven and a half. It's like <laughs> yes. you pick. I don't know. Yeah, who, who cares? Finish second. So we're talking about the Falcons is the seven and a half team you picked first, right? Yes, because they yeah because where they finished last year. 
What do you think? I mean, the, the, again, I mean, this we're going to go over this when we hit the NFC East a little bit, but it's just it, it it is kind of like a shrug emoji. But I look at their schedule, their first six games, it's like home for Tampa at Oakland at New Orleans, home Carolina at Denver at Seattle, home Chargers and then home for Green Bay. Like they could be two and six after eight weeks, which means they basically have to go six and two. They have to go yep. six and two, and they play in Carolina again, and the Cardinals. I don't, like. I don't understand these. Aren't the worst teams from the year before supposed to get the easy schedules so that they can? There's a chance at parity. <laughs> like, how do you do? Like, what the hell is that? Home Carolina at Denver at Seattle. That is awful. Yeah. Well, remember they they won. They were went six and one in the first seven games last year. Yeah. Five and zero, and then went three and eight the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, and they're the most obvious. Nope, they're not going to continue that success team like I've seen in a long time because the Falcons just kind of suck, and Matt Ryan's not that great. I like how could he have Julio Jones, one of the two best receivers in the league, maybe the most physically gifted, and he only throws one more touchdown than Josh McCown and Alex Smith. Like, how does that make Ooh. any sense at all i don't know i mean maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's just due for a bounce back year and maybe he's being undervalued but i but just bounce back from what he's never okay you want to say picture this like i'm gonna do you to use prince dig if you will the picture yes. uh and has never really been very good if you look at his stats every year they're about the same and they have very little like bearing on whether the team's winning or not. It's always the team around him. Yeah, you, I mean, I know you can't really do this, but if you took Julio Jones away from Matt Ryan, th- there's nothing that he does exceptionally well as a quarterback. Yeah, he, and you know, if you talk about fantasy community, they're only now realizing, oh yeah, don't draft Matt Ryan in the top twelve. He's never a top twelve quarterback. And I mean, wh- who Muhammad Sanu is the addition. They got uh, a new tight end, Austin Hooper, in the draft. They got Alex Mack too. I mean, he's the, so their offensive line could be upgraded a little bit, and that could maybe help a possible one-year Justin Forsett clone, Devontae Freeman, uh, and Tevin Coleman, and maybe give Matt Ryan a little bit more time to let Julio get down the field and throw it to him, which is what he should do on every third play. Oh my gosh, yes! But, but the defense yeah. still can't pass rush. The defense still can't defend the pass. The defense still can't do anything. And Matt Ryan's not going to win the games for you, even if he is just hurling it to Julio. Like, you need superhuman play from Julio for things to happen. And he's just, he's not very good. No. It, you know, Matty Ice is just not, uh, turns out he, he's been the same player he has been since his rookie year, and that's not necessarily a good thing. All right, moving on. We got uh, New Orleans, 7-9. and And there, again, we talk about the 7. Their win total 7. I am going to hit over, I think the Saints are going to surprise people. And but not me, because I was going to do the same thing. Darn it! What? Damn it, Ryan! Why can't we not? Okay, I agree. Damn. Okay, damn. Okay, I, I thought I was going to be clever with this. I think this is like a for sure over. Someone's got to beat Carolina in division games. Like obviously, Carolina's not going fifteen and one, and they're not sweeping or going like seven and one or six. You know, four and one in the division, whatever they went. They got Drew Brees, obviously Hall of Famer. I think Brandon Cook's probably the most talented receiver he's ever played with. I mean, notwithstanding, like, wide receiver, not like Jimmy Graham. They may have something with Ingram and Hightower. Kobe Fleener could be a knucklehead, but he'll get the tight end tends to get 100-plus targets. But really, I think the main improvement, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, is their production on defense. I mean, they they were pretty terrible last year, and so it's a sort of addition by subtraction by not having to run by not having 
Rob Ryan run Brandon Browner out on the field, which is like just a terrible combination for any defense at all. And really just like, like Brandon Browner like graded in like by PFF as the worst defensive back in the league who had as many plays as he did. So he was the most penalized. Oh, he had 24 penalties and yeah, he was that he graded them out that the, they graded him out as the worst cornerback, not just of last year, of the last 10 years. The last 10 <laughs> years, he had the lowest rating of for their any for any cornerback that they have uh, done since then. Oh, Pete Carroll, take me back. I don't <sighs> like it out there in the real world. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, I remember he was good. He was like a big signing. It was like a huge thing when like the Pats got him and then the the Saints got Yeah, so he was like, again, and he's just sort of like out of the league now. Yeah, I think I think Pete Carroll. I think the thing is, it's Pete Carroll's ver- what what he does with defensive backs is what like the Denver Broncos did with running backs with Mike Shanahan, which is you can turn anyone into gold, and the moment they leave, they're just going to go straight back into nothing. It just be horrible. Like, yeah, I, I almost feel that because like it doesn't matter who plays in the Seahawks' defensive backfield, they're all productive, and then the moment they leave, they just turn straight to garbage. Not, I, not as bad as Brandon Bowden. No, that no. Was, that was really quick. That was basically like the trash heap that talks in, uh, in Fraggle Rock. <laughs> it's how bad he was. <laughs> wow. Poor Brandon Browner. Or poor trash heap being compared to Brandon Browner, I think, is more of an, an adept thing. Um, That's true. The trash heap wouldn't have committed that many penalties. No, no. Again, I guess it's sort of a, if they can just be like, 20th on defense i think their offense is going to be legitimately really good again so not having to run him out there delvin bro's good kenny you know kenny vaccaro marlon bird or jerry spurt i mean are fine they're fine players are not like amazing but they don't need them to be amazing because their offense is so good that again it's sort of how they won the super bowl it's like well their offense was amazing and their defense just kind of held them in games and so i'm not predicting they're going to win the super bowl but I legitimately think they could probably be nine and seven or ten and six. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because I feel like we have to have some disagreements here. I'm gonna disagree. I'm actually gonna change my opinion and go with the under. Ridiculous. I know. I know. I'm I'm, I'm going off script, my friend. Go on. Roll with me on this one. Ugh. Here's why. Here are the two divisions they're playing: AFC West, NFC West. Those are the two other divisions that they're playing. So if you say Saints playing the Panthers twice and the Panthers great defense, then they get to play. Denver, Oakland, Kansas City defense, all three of which are going to be gonzo. And, and the Oakland defense, I think, is going to be really good this year, like in a surprising way. Then they're also going to play NFC West, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. So their biggest strength is going to be stymied by all the best defenses in the league. It's like a who's who of great Ds. Yeah, but but I guess my counter to that would be that they get Denver and Seattle at home as opposed to on the road. Now they're not saying they're not Denver. I think can probably play anywhere, but Seattle is a is a markedly different team. I think we've seen over the years uh, at home or on the road. They're still good when they're on the road, but they're just otherworldly when they're at home. So even if they lose and they, they let's say they lose the two Denver and Seattle, you know they go five and three on the at home instead of the you know, they they were the team that was always winning at home. They go five and three. They go. They'd have to go three and five on the road just to win the over. I think they could win at the Giants week two, week four at San Diego, at the Niners, and at Tampa. You're looking at probably nine wins possibly right there, playing Atlanta for a chance to be nine and seven or ten and six. So 
That's what, what if the offense isn't what you think it's going to be, though? And that, that's the big trick. What if the offense finally takes that kind of step back where Drew Brees is finally a 38-year-old, which well, is what he is? Then, yeah, then, then it's absolutely an under. But I guess I'm, I'm, if I'm betting on them, I'm betting I'm going to probably be a year late on that than a year early. Because, you know, it's again, it's, it, it, I've seen it so many times. Can I say one thing about the Saints? Yes. Uh, somewhat unrelated? Please. Uh, so it, today they had their preseason game. Guess who was featured in the first team offense pretty heavily in the Saints offense this preseason game? Today? Gosh, I, I don't even know who. Yeah, it's the worst possible thing to happen to me. CJ Spiller. Oh. Does that mean I'm going to be drafting CJ Spiller in one of my leagues again? Because I've been doing it for the past four years, and I shouldn't have been, but I can't quit that idea of CJ Spiller. Yeah, he was one year with the Bills, and I'm probably going to get him in the fifteenth round. But am I going to be drafting CJ Spiller one more time? I think you're just going to have to name your team the CJ Spiller merry-go-round. I think that you just that just is who you are. You need to embrace it, accept it, and just know, just sort of lean into it. I think so. Yeah, I definitely think you will. And you know what? You're going to like it, and you're going to cut him by week four and be like, "What was I thinking?" Why did I? It was a way. It was. I could have drafted a punter. I haven't had a punter the whole time. <laughs> Wait, CJ Spiller on. <laughs> and then uh, bringing up the rear last year and probably this year, the Tampa Bay Bucks, fourth in the in the division, but first in taking quarterbacks first overall with massive sexual assault allegations and against him, and thinking, yep, yeah, it's the type of guy we want leading our team to another Super Bowl. So, Ryan, to be fair, who among us hasn't made that same choice in their life? I mean, it's it's. I, it, I have not. I have never drafted a terrible quarterback to be my uh, first round, first pick overall. So actually, I'm one of the ones. So okay, not good. me. You are not you. you. Well, I no, not me either. I can't say uh, actually, that I have. Actually, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think. Okay, mm. okay, never mind. You're right. They're yeah. the worst. Yeah, they kind of are. And you know what? Just for that, I'm going to say they're going to finish under their seven and a half wins. Again, I don't. I mean, Jameis is good. It's it's just the same kind of stuff with all these teams. Like, yeah, their quarterback's okay. He didn't set the world on fire. He, they know what they have, I think, in Evans and Jackson. They're a pretty good one-two combo. Doug Martin and Charles Sims, great in the backfield. Their defense is an absolute disaster. Um, and that's probably going to be their undoing, really. Their defensive coordinator, Mr. Mike Smith. So he won't have any power to uh, stop the clock or anything like that, probably, for clock management. But uh, I don't know. I don't think they're going to win more than six or seven games. Yeah, they've got the ninth toughest schedule in the league, and I think the I think Jameis Winston deep sigh is going to be a pretty watchable and good quarterback this year, Aye. and for most of his career, deep sigh because I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this is not the year they ascend. It's probably the it's next year where I can see them taking second in the division. All right, well we'll go we'll move on then because uh, that's you know we got. We got it. So let's move on to the division that uh, I want to just wreck with a crowbar, the NFC East, because I I literally have no idea who is good and who isn't. Like I stared at like schedules. I looked at pro football focus, like additions, subtractions. I looked at their records last year. And I you want to talk about a shrug emoji for the other division. It's like this is just – a giant, just a middle finger. It's not even the shrug emoji. We have to start with Washington. Oh, by the way, somebody will lose. Everyone is going to lose money. Anyone who bets on this division will lose money. So th- this entire division is just a stay away. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I have no sense of what to do with these guys. Okay. So what we have then is 
Washington, uh, who won the division last year. Again, I would have completely forgotten that. Uh, uh, Ryan, one question about them winning the division. Did uh, did you like that? You like that, Ryan? You like that? I don't like that, Kirk Cousins. Uh, you can go to hell. Uh, you're terrible, and you throw way too many interceptions and balls that should be interceptions. I think it's funny that they actually kept him on a franchise tag. Like, on the one hand, he's like, okay, he's a young player. He let him do a division title. He was a good passer. But on the other hand, he was, like, number one in dropped interceptions. Like, he was incredibly lucky. But he still threw a bunch. So, like, they want to they want to see, like, they want, like, another year to see if he's actually good, which is sort of a weird thing for us to be saying about Washington, that they might have, like, a, made a decent decision with this and just didn't sign him to, like, a – 10-year contract worth like 150 million dollars i mean he's got a solid wide receiver core i mean and a top three tight end i I mean there there are some pieces on offense if he's maybe not as good as he was i I, they they maybe won't win the division they maybe will just finish eight and eight like everybody else it seems like and then there'll just be some weird coin flip but i have them i have them on the over again begrudgingly Somebody had to win the division, and it may as well just be them, frankly. Yeah. I mean, their defense is improved. They signed Josh Norman to yeah. the, you know, the GDP of a small country. Like, he, he, Oh, they, they, yeah, they signed a great player in the most Redskins way possible. I mean, I, I think, I'm not going to say Josh Norman's going to be Albert Haynesworth type signing because he'll be better than that. But at the same time, should, don't, don't, you, don't you learn lessons, Redskins? This Don't is, you learn anything? Don't is, sign no. older defensive players who had their one great year to a huge contract. Don't do that. No. This is Dan Snyder we're talking about here. This is not you know, this is uh not a great decision maker. Um no. uh, do you think uh, do you think Kirk Cousins is Nick Foles two point He could be. I actually I actually don't, but it kinda sounds like you might think he's closer to that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he was as good as his stats showed last year. So mm-hmm. um yeah. What he had last year, though, and the only reason I think it's relatively sustainable for him, and, and I agree, I still I hate I'm going over, but I hate to go over on it, mm-hmm. is that Kirk Cousins had a really, really great red zone TD to interception rate. like Or rather, conversion rate is a better way of putting it. His red zone conversion rate was really, really solid. And that's a pretty sustainable skill, uh, particularly you'd have to imagine when it comes to his wide receiver core, which is... It's pretty deep. Oh yeah, like, from one to th- one to four. I mean, with Garcon and Jackson and Josh Dotson, who is, I mean, uh, injured right now. But but then you got, and then Jordan Reed and then yeah. um, so yeah, like, he that's was a good. lot of talent. He and, was good. I, yeah, he, I mean, he did his job, and you know, so I, I don't like it to think that old Kirk Cousins actually might be pretty good, but I think he's going to be a little bit better than you're expecting. All right. Well, so the next team I have on here is the Eagles, and I cheated on this one. I'll be honest. Their win total is a seven, and I just have it as a push because I just cannot, for the life of me, know what they're doing. What is this team? What is this team doing? Nothing about this team is exciting. Like at least with Chip, I thought they were interesting in like, oh, I'm passing a tire fire on a side of the road sort of thing. But now they're like Captain Serious with Doug Peterson and bringing those. Chiefs high flying offensive tendencies to Philly, I guess, to like run the ball. <laughs> like, they're going to run the hell out of the ball this year, Jimmy. Let me tell you what. There's nothing. They're kind of above average, sort of at every position. And I guess depending on how you feel about Carson Wentz, but I 
I have no strong opinions on them, and that's all I'm going to say about them. So you should take it away on the Eagles. <laughs> I I like that the moment they got rid of Chip Kelly, they went out and got the anti-Chip Kelly, which instead of a guy who's really, you know, is like at the cutting edge of football and innovative and relatively exciting, regardless of results and stuff like that, they went out and got a guy who is a pupil of the coach that they had before Chip Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, we know you want Andy Reid back. Like, just, you know, you can't date Andy Reid's friend just to try to get Andy Reid. Like, that's not just, that's not how that works. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that teams do where, like, they'd rather be comfortable than good. Where, like, the Bears were like, you know, granted Mark Trestman wasn't great, but he was he was something original and new. And they're like, no, 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 oh, we had him for two years. I don't like it. Need to go back to our Bears way. And then they get John Fox. Or what the Niners did with Jim Harbaugh, where they're just going back to, like, they just... Teams would rather feel comfortable about who they've hired than they want than they actually want to win. Right, and I feel like you know, Peterson is the way of feeling comfortable. Like, well, yeah, he's more of an even guy. And then, and, and I don't think that when ownership likes it, especially in the Niners' case, and I guess you know a little bit in the the Eagles' case too, is that when the coach and the process got capital P outshines the team itself, or outshines the ownership or the players, like they don't want the coach to be the star. They want the players to be the stars because they can sell jerseys with the players' names on them. And so if they bring somebody who's a larger-than-life personality, it may work for a little bit, but I think it eventually kind of wears on them, and it's like, no, get get out of here. Like, you're not your own. You're getting too big for your britches. Get out of here. It's, the, yeah. And the, it only just – the problem is that theory doesn't work when your players are Sam Bradford, Nelson Aguilar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan uh, Matthews. Ryan Matthews, Ryan Matthews, and when the guy you want to be the guy is from Dakota, oof! Like I can't even remember whether it's North or South. He's just a Dakota man. Yeah, Dakota man. Yeah, yeah. one of them Dakota men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Like that? That's I don't know. It's tough to think. Like Carson Wentz. It's tough to when you project guys like that. You're doing it based on the skill set, not necessarily the competition surrounding them. Is his skill set really so overwhelming that you want to pro- you, you think that's projectable and startable the first year? Like, because he's going to start at some point. Sam Daniel, um, Sam Bradford's not going to be the guy. Chase Daniel's not going to be the guy. Carson Wentz is coming in at some point this year, and you think the Eagles fans are going to enjoy? Well, the, they might they're going to love it. Yeah, he's super white, so they might enjoy him. <laughs> I just can we go back to the fact that you had a, the funniest Freudian slip and call them Sam Daniel like you just combine their names like they I are just they, they are exactly the same quarterback pretty much like they're they, they have the exact same amount of upside and it's just funny that you combine the two because they're pretty much unrecognizable from one another yeah I'm going I gotta go I'm going under okay I'll, I'll make the stand and go you'll make it you'll that. make the stand okay well next they finish third in the division, the New York football giants. Their over under total is eight. Jimmy, what do you have for the Giants? Ooh, I'm gonna go over. Ooh. Tell I'm me why. It. Tell me why. It's one of those things where like because this division is such a toss up, like I actually think the Giants are gonna win the division. Wow, really? Okay. I yes. I again I mean I I guess I could see that happening. I guess I could see. I mean, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be nine and seven. That'll probably do it. But if you're looking at yeah. just, I mean, let's just say because I mean, especially in this division, all defenses I think are just kind of like maybe they're just a wash. You know, I think they're they have good players, they have bad players. I don't think there's one defense in the division that really stands out. But 
so if you're just talking about skilled players on each team, the Giants are loaded with those. I mean, it, well, I mean, I, ODB, Odell Beckham kind of pushes the needle for, for a lot of them, but Sterling Shepard kid looking pretty good in the preseason. He's getting a little, uh, he's getting a little yeah, run. He just has to be better than Ruben Randall. And Ruben Randall and the Eagles right now is basically running the wrong routes in preseason. So I, I think yeah. Sterling Shepard's going to be better than Ruben Randall was. Yeah. This is their fir- this is their first year with McAdoo as the coach, right? Yes. And, and check okay. this out really quickly. Like, okay. I know it seems kind of mad to just go from Coughlin to McAdoo because McAdoo was already part of the team. Like, it feels like nothing happened. But if you have a guy who is just average at clock management, just average, the Giants would have probably won four more games last year than they did. That's like, that's how bad Coughlin was. I mean, there was the legendary, you know, breakdown in the first week against the Cowboys, but he blew, like, three other games with terrible clock management. You know, it's always dicey. But that's a pretty big swing of things to have that many games have been just nearly given away as a result of not getting how to call timeout at the right time. Then their defense is getting uh, has got signed Oliver Vernon to that huge contract, which which was more than Oliver Vernon's worth, but he's still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Janoris Jenkins was signed. Damon Harrison. They got Eli Apple and his hilarious mom with the tenth round pick <laughs> or with the tenth pick overall. Yeah. Uh, and then and then crab hands. Old Jason Pierre Paul is going to be. Back. Oh boy. Oh boy. It, <laughs> it 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 remains to be seen if he's going to uh, blow up any offensive lines, but uh, you know. That's that's a that's a oh. fire that's a fireworks joke. <laughs> He's back and after having a year of figuring out how to do it with missing fingers, I think he'll you know he'll be better than he was last year, which is you know what they need. Yeah, I can actually see this team going nine and seven or or even ten and six and winning the division. That would be quite a surprise. I would probably agree with you on the over. Actually, unfortunately, again, the uh, the last team we have to cover in the NFC. Uh, before we move on, will be kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the divas of the league. I don't know what you really call the Cowboys these days. I mean... Uh, I call them America's team is what I call that's them. That's right. That's right. you got to cut a hole in their stadium so God can see down. you got to make your stadium big enough to be seen visible from heaven. Oh, God. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how this has affected or if they've adjusted it since then, but their over under is actually nine and a half. And just because it's the NFC East and because this is such a weird division, probably going to say under, uh, I think they probably just can finish nine and seven again. They're not as good as, uh, you know, when was that like, when did they lose to the, when were they really good? I mean, I guess a couple years ago they lost to Green Bay, but before that, I feel like they were like 13 and three, maybe in like 2008, 2009. Like they've always just sort of been right around average for ever, basically. So those peak Romo years when Romo like kind of took the game by storm. Yeah. Those were the ones where they like they were ranked like getting 10, 11, 12, 13 wins a yeah. lot of seasons. But he's just old and and he's still good. Like I I still would like him again in fantasy. I still I mean, I won a championship with Romo a couple years. Everybody everybody always laughs at the guy that takes Romo cuz of some sort of weird weird memories that they have of him or something like that. But the guy produces. I mean, he's not really been the issue the last few years, you know. I mean, he throws interceptions but his interceptions just are bad timing interceptions if he threw them in the middle of the second quarter and that was the only one he threw well it wouldn't be a big deal a lot of it depends on his health i mean he hasn't really been healthy the last couple seasons and it's really kind of made the team scuffle a little bit 
he did take a hit in the preseason game yesterday and then play one series and like go limp off and it was like oh crap Tony Romo's hurt already he's broken he was fighting to get back in the game but it's gonna be that all season every time he takes a hit and he cannot the problem is Tony Romo can't do he just will not do the Peyton Manning fall down like an old man version of taking a hit he always takes like the worst possibly angled hit Uh, I don't know I don't feel like he's long for this world no I don't think so but luckily Dak Prescott's looked pretty good, I think, in the preseason. Again, it's tough to to really know what a rookie's can what a rookie can do against preseason defenses, but he can make a little stuff happen with his legs. I think he's got a he he throws a pretty good ball. I think that was kind of not really his mo in college, but he's certainly an upgrade over Brandon Whedon and whatever other tattered garbage of Matt Castle they were throwing out there last year, and in route to four and twelve. So, yeah, the old the old Dak attack. Kellen Moore actually was starting in a bunch of last year. In the oh, that's last true. Games. Boise State legend. Uh, yeah, yeah, winning his uh, NCAA quarterback of all time. But he broke his ankle this year and got carted off in, during a uh, training camp. Oh, so, that's right. Because uh, yeah, because they thought that uh, that Nick Foles that that was like a, a hundred percent going to happen, like the league's most average quarterback with the league's most average franchise. But no, man, the Dak attack. The Dak attack. I don't know if that's the thing. I'm gonna start calling it the Dak attack. I think it's I think it's solid. I like it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So the thing the thing with the Cowboys is they're one of the. I remember reading an article about this uh, when it comes to Vegas over unders. Is that the two teams that always have an inflated over under are the Bears and the Cowboys, and it's because they have way too many people who are just straight up homers and will bet all the money on those two teams, regardless of whether they're going to be good or not. Yeah, they're so, I, I public mean, teams. They're public teams that that. You know, you just they have a name recognition. It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we'll bet on them, sure. Yeah. Like nine and a half is absurd. Yeah, this no, no way they're going ten and six. I mean, the Giants have the probably best the best shot at it, but I, no way that they that they finish ten and six or eleven and five. Yeah, the only way they can do it is it literally has to be the blueprint from two years ago when uh, Demarco Murray went off, which is have the best O line in the game, which which they do. They do have the best O line in the game, but. Shorten games by run, like with all the running. Let your quarterback be efficient. And don't make any terrible mistakes, and let your terrible defense barely see the field. Like that's the thing they have to repeat, and that is not a repeatable way of winning games. It just no. isn't. So, like the nine and a half is the. It's basically the cowboy tax, which is it shouldn't be nine and a half, but it is because y'all won't stop betting on the over on your damn team. Yeah, and they build giant cathedrals in las vegas with people that have lost money betting on the cowboys or the nfc east in general frankly i don't know their their defense again i mean yeah their their defense is just reprehensible (laughs) and it's injured like they're already bad and they're getting injured and losing players i i don't it's gonna be awful and they have a blueprint for winning games with the same kind of team but are we really sure tony Romo is going to stay healthy enough to make it happen I don't think so, and while I like the Dak attack, I like the nickname, you know, I'd like to see him, rookie quarterbacks and NFL defenses with exotic blitzes usually don't mix their first year, so um, maybe? I mean, I, I, I have tr- I have trouble, just like you, deciding that they're going to be, uh, that, that Romo's going to be healthy enough, and he's the key, you know, he's the guy that is, is their franchise guy and is going to get all the all the flack or all the all the praise so um but yeah i still think they probably finish under they can probably f- threaten nine and seven but more likely it's probably eight and eight or worse for them yeah I, I don't i don't see it i don't want it to happen 
Cowboys can always be bad. It, you know, just just that's my own personal moral stance. They can always be bad, and I'm fine with that. But yeah, Dez and Zeke will be fun to watch. All right, well, that'll do it for the NFC, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Is there anything uh, you'd like to plug at the end of this first episode? You've had me on before, and you had also my other host, my co-host, Matt Milton, on. Uh, we've been inconsistent, but we have been doing that baseball show podcast. Uh, we're trying to pick it back up. We've done some fun casts in the past recent couple weeks. Uh, so that baseball show, at that BB show on Twitter, and uh, yeah, you should give it a listen. It's irreverent baseball fun. You really should, and wait till the off season. That's when it gets really good, I think. So <laughs> we have nothing to talk about, so we just go stir crazy and ramble. Yes. Oh man! And- Again, you can get in touch with the show uh, on Twitter, MCE Pod Net. Of course, tell your friends about it. Share on Facebook. Like us. Love us. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You are very welcome. All right, bye everybody. Bye bye.